Hello and welcome to today's Leeds University Business School's Research and Innovation Podcast. I'm Vera Trapman. And I'm Alexandra Seehaus. Today we're going to be talking about a research project that we have been working on for the last four years on young precarious workers in two European countries, in Germany and Poland. And maybe a good start would be um, to kick off with what do we understand by precarity? So you could think about precarious workers as uh, those people who take on a job role that has a permanent need, but at the same time, they're not given the same rights as those in permanent employment. So basically, there's various dimensions to precarious employment. Um, on the one side, you could think about it as just those people on short term or zero hour contracts uh, who have low pay. But it could also be people who earn above the minimum wage, but maybe they just receive their income quite infrequently. And you could also consider those workers to be precarious who um, who maybe don't have access to social security or lack employment rights, like representation of collective interests. Um, one good example may be delivery riders that deliver your, your pizza or your Chinese takeaway. Or you could also think about cleaners and business complex or people who stock the shelves in supermarkets. Yeah, and um, the, the, the interesting thing to me was that it was that precarity not only affected people with lower education, um, uh, but that precarious working conditions occurred across um, all um, sectors, really, and affected people with uh, different and, and really all levels of education. So, for example, we had um, uh, a woman who had two master degrees, who had lots of international experience, um, and still at the age of 31, she had only contracts, uh, short-term contracts for one or three months, even employed um, by um, a public employer. So it, it, in a way, I think we, we learned from our research that precarious work seems to be almost omnipresent. Um, and, and this is reflected in the data that we have gathered. Um, Alex, maybe can you tell a little bit more about the concrete labour market uh, situations? How did it look for young people in Germany and Poland? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, the thing is that the situation, if you if you look at the numbers and the statistics, is really quite quite depressing, to be honest. So there's um, there's quite a high number of young people who live below the poverty line uh, in Germany and in Poland. Uh, in fact, it's it's a quarter of those between 18 and 24 who live below the poverty line. And also there's there's quite a high percentage of young people who um, who are in temporary work. And more than half of Germans under 24 years um, only ever had a short-term work contract. So that's that's quite a high number, and it's even it's even 30% for those um, those under 35 years. Um, and additionally to that, you already mentioned um, you already mentioned education. Um, considering that Germany is a um, um, is a highly coordinated market economy, it's quite shocking that even even in a country like that. We have about 10% of people who are neither in work nor in, in training. Uh, we, we call those people uh, needs, so neither education nor in training. Um, yeah, so that's that's quite a quite a depressing situation altogether. Yeah, I I, I, I totally agree, and um, I personally also just learned in this project that that we have like 
6% of young people who leave school without any qualifications. Um, so that, that, that is almost a kind of risk of um, a, a lifetime precarious uh, career. But Alex, I wonder, is this objective precarious situation reflected in young people's perceptions about their lives? Do they see themselves as precarious or what do they think about themselves and their and their lives? So if we if we don't look at the numbers and statistics, but we we actually ask young people and that's what we did in, in the interviews that we did with young people in, in Germany and Poland. Uh, the situation looks very, very much different um, to to the objective st uh, statistic data. So people were quite ambivalent, to be honest. So many of them, many of them were quite stressed and quite a few of them were also suffering uh, under the constant uncertainty of their um, precarious employment or also because of the low income and the impossibility to make long term plans. Um, but at the same time, they also had a lot of positive feelings and they're very much focused on the positive sides of their employment. So they very often saw their jobs as a as a chance for personal development or they just enjoyed the autonomy and the flexibility that the jobs gave them, although um, they had difficult difficulties to plan their future or even um, make meets end. So what we found was that um, many of the young people that we interviewed were actually um, quite creative and able um, in finding ways to deal with the negative uh, aspects of, uh, of precarious employment. Some of them were obviously supported by their parents. Some of them had supports from support from their partners. A lot of them really quickly just learned to, to optimize their performance in the workplace, uh, or they simply just started to very much structure their life um, around the, um, the demands that work and employment situation um, imposed on them. So it's really not that people thought about themselves as precarious. In many cases, in the interviews, we found that the young people thought about the, the flexible or precarious situation as something that is temporary, that they would um, simply just overcome as they continued working in the workplace or as they, as they, as they maybe established themselves within their, uh, within their occupation. So many of them also saw if they just put some extra if effort into their work, then they could kind of just individually improve their situation and then they wouldn't be precarious after a few years anymore. Maybe we also, we had some cases very much dependent on the, uh, on, the, on the level of education that young people had. So I guess those who were more educated, they were a bit more hopeful that they would be able to overcome their precarious employment situations. Others, often those um, less educated or from um, less privileged social backgrounds, they maybe just started to accept um, the uncertainty and precarious employment was simply just a part of their life. So they just learned to deal with it or at the same time, we had people who saw um, the negative aspects of precarity just as a trade-off. So to summarize, uh, in most of the cases, young people did simply not perceive themselves as precarious. Yeah, maybe it's worthwhile mentioning that um, we have developed this um, further into a typology where we try to classify, to group the experiences uh, of, of people to come up with types uh, that would help also other researchers um, to use this uh, when they deal with precarious work in other countries, for example, or with other age groups that will help compare more 
um, of precarious employment across other other cases. Um, and in this typology, we show that some keep up a work orientation that more or less strives for the old past times with a permanent good paid job uh, and everything on the way in between this um, is, is just temporal, while others reject a kind of Fordist stable employment relation and try to embrace the freedom uh, of insecurity and the freedom that comes with flexibility. While we also saw a minority that withdraws completely from the labor market, whether while they see themselves preoccupied with other problems or other things in their lives, or because they try to escape from precarity and the best solution seemed to be just to leave paid employment uh, right behind them. And this, this escape away from precarity into something else, so into a commune or labor migration, um, I think that, that that brings us to an important part, understanding why there is so few resistance against precarity. So that was really just a minority and they were not actively protesting against labor market conditions, but they were rather kind of exiting the situation. So something they, 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 they didn't like it and they were not protesting against this, not fighting against it, but were kind of yeah, just just resigning really from from the labor market. And and Alex, uh, we have thought a lot about why is that the case? Maybe you, you can tell us more about the entire complex of protest. Yeah, so there's, um, I guess overall, there's quite a lot of reason to be to be skeptical that um, the young generation or at least um, young people in Poland and Germany are going to protest um, a lot against the, the continuing precarization of, um, of the work and employment situation. And uh, you already mentioned some of the reasons. One thing certainly, and that very much just depends on the life phase in which they are in, is that they're just really preoccupied with so many things in their life because they're just, um, just transitioning into adulthood, just trying to find out what they want to do with the rest of their lives. Many of them have a lot of other issues they need to deal with. So one main and really simple reason is just that they are very preoccupied with other things and they don't necessarily focus on the criticism of the work and employment situations. And they're also not very much familiar with, uh, with unions, at least in most of the sectors that they work in. Maybe one other reason um, that could be considered uh, to be something positive, um, but then in this moment it isn't really, is that what we find in the interviews where that many of, many of our interviewees uh, had quite strong post-materialist values which in itself I really think you could consider something good, but it didn't necessarily help to, to kind of build a foundation for some, some criticism of inequalities. So if they would look at their workplace, uh, they would simply rather think that they don't need that much money and they don't need this kind of lifestyle that their parents had, and this would rather prevent themselves from, from being critical and doing something against their situation. So in this sense, post-materialist values weren't really helpful. Um, another thing that you already mentioned, Vera, is that most workers, even if they were critical of their um, current work and employment situations, and if they were actually suffering from it, they would rather choose individual strategies to deal or cope with it. So they wouldn't really see precarious um, employment as something that is shaped by, um, by economic pressures or by political decisions, but they would simply see it as a, as a situation that's down to the life phase in which they are in, or something that depends on their own performance or their own employability. 
So that wouldn't necessarily um, promote any any political or collective um, strategies uh, to deal with the precarious situations. Um, however, there is there is a little bit of hope. Um, what we also saw was definitely that the normalization of precarity that we saw in the interviews, um, although it is very strong in Poland and in Germany, it does have certain certain limits like biographical, social and political limits. So we also found, besides all the things that sounded a bit depressing now, uh, we did found some, some forms of micro-resistance and contestation. We noticed a lot of criticism of the lack of meritocracy in society. We did also found um, criticism of the alienation of a lot of the jobs people were working in. So in many cases, people chose precarious jobs, but only because they didn't want to work in in like company, company um, private market jobs, which they consider to be quite alienated. So in that sense, there, there is a lot of criticism of how work and employment is, um, is looking like at the moment. Um, and in both countries, we, we did find some criticism of the development. And we did find some people who actually engaged in, um, in political action or in union work. Uh, maybe one thing that needs to be mentioned, though, is that um, those people who then ended up being, being mobilized and tried to collectively um, do something against um, the precarization of the work and employment situation, they showed quite specific characteristics. So it wouldn't be um, it wouldn't be everybody who could be mobilized, but we mainly found that is again those people who have higher educational degrees, and often it was also those people with with a quite strong occupational identity who also decided that it was worthwhile and that they had actually the resources to to engage in collective action to to try to collectively improve their situation. Yeah, and uh, interestingly, and may maybe f funnily as well, there was one peculiar finding that all those that engaged in protest had have a very conflictual relationship to their parents. Yeah, that, that is true as well. Yeah, there was another um, of the biographical aspects um, that promote or seem to hamper criticism of work and employment situations. I feel like we haven't talked much about the um, the differences between Germany and Poland. Um, maybe we should maybe we should some more say some more about that. Yeah, interestingly, um, the situation has been surprisingly similar, um, despite different economic institutions, dis despite different employment relations systems. So the kind of context conditions are very different in these two countries. But nevertheless, the way how young people experienced, framed and dealt with precarity was pretty similar. And maybe the, the only difference really has been that there was slightly more protest uh, in Poland than in Germany. And trying to understand this, we found that there is a higher uh, incongruity of status in Poland than in Germany. So that means um, someone with a high education and with um, many qualifications does not necessarily um, um, that, that doesn't necessarily result in high income. So there is a, the kind of disbalance between how much you invested in your education and how is your actual labor market position. So I'm probably people felt more like if, if, if 
yeah, so they felt like, oh, I have put so much in my into my education, but I don't earn enough. So that there's a kind of strange thing, and that's brought them more to the street. So there, there were more people in Poland. There have been public demonstrations, and there was more kind of sense of that this is not right and not not just. So I feel like we mentioned quite a lot of the findings that we um, that we had in our project. If we if we summarize the main insights, there are what what would you say? What what are the the most important things? Hmm. Well, that's 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 difficult on the one hand because they, they, these four years have brought up so many different avenues and interesting results. Probably, I would say that precarity in young age is experienced differently than in older age, and that it's getting normalized. So it sees rather little resistance. And it's not perceived as a result of the structure of the labor market, um, but as a result of individual behavior. So it's perceived as something transitional that you can overcome by your individual efforts. Um, and if you are stuck in precarity, then the rationale for this is individual failure. So that what we really see is a huge individualization of a structural situation of the labor market and that puts a lot of pressure on young people and we, we we still have to investigate further how mental health problems are related to this individualization and how effective resources how a kind of emotional uh, support network helps to cope with this type of precarity and we are currently writing um, a, a paper that just deals with the role of emotions and and effects and how what impact this has on the experience of of precarity so there's um, much more results coming out of this uh, project but i think for now we we have to accept that um, young workers are far off from mobilizing political discontent um, or any protest related to their precarious working conditions just in very few exceptions but that they are mostly burden themselves with adapting to the new regime of, of precarious uh, labor. Yeah, so there's many, many more topics we could um, we could talk about and go, go into detail. Um, but yeah, so uh, thanks for listening um, to this uh, episode. Yeah, and if you are interested in more results um, or ongoing research that we do on precarity, just please get in touch with us. Thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.